Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to today's uh, Practice Manager webinar. Um, Michelle and Louise are taking some very well earned annual leave. So um, it's Dawn and I um, from the office today, and we're really pleased and grateful to be joined by Sue Scott, who's one of our practice managers, but also one of the senior um, management team from the Sovereign Health Partnership, and Dan Ferret, who's practice manager at the Drayton Surgery. Um, so we've got a few topics today, but what we I think we wanted to do was kind of focus a little bit on CQC, because Sue and Dan, I think you've recently, your practices have recently had CQC visit, visits, inspections, and you very kindly offered to offer um, some sort of feedback on your experiences and learning from those visits. So um, I think we'll be really keen if people have questions, please do feel free to put them in the Q&A box and we'll try and get a bit of dialogue going. Um, but if I perhaps kick off with a few of the sort of more basic questions and Dawn, please feel free to chip in as well. Um, I guess just to sort of start off, I'd be interested to hear from both of you, perhaps if we start off with Sue, because you're up in the top left-hand corner for me. Um, how much notice did you get from the ins of the inspection? Um, about, well, two weeks, but our process lasted over three days. Okay. So we had two and a half weeks to the actual inspection, but we the process started on the Monday and we were notified two weeks before on the Friday. Okay. So when you did the process, took, it took three days. You mean that they were actually in the practice over a three-day period yeah, or they were in the day on the but in on the wednesday on the monday they did a zoom well teams um interviews with myself and the other senior manager in the morning um a gp did the clinical searches in the morning and then did a meeting with the the registered manager and the deputy registered manager in the afternoon and then on tuesday they did um, an infection control Zoom meeting with the nurse and the lead GP. And then the rest of the day, they did interviews with some staff. So they wanted a receptionist, an administrator, um, nurses, HCA. Um, so all of that was done over Zoom. And then they came into the practice on the Wednesday. Um, and their, their ethos at the moment is to spend as little time in the practice as possible. And Dan, was that a similar experience for you? Yeah, very similar um, in the in the way of how it worked over the three days. Um, so it was exactly the same. We had the re uh, the reports installed onto System One on the Monday um, that was started to be run, um, and Monday was very much they spent uh, an hour and a half with me on Zoom. I say they; it was only one person. Um, so it was Kate Dew spent an hour and a half with me on Zoom on the Monday, and then uh, some of my other staff. Um, and then the next day was touching base with some more of the clinicians, um, and Wednesday was was in the surgery. Um, and this is where I'm hated by every practice manager on this call because we were given four weeks notice. Um, sorry, Sue. Um, and it's one of those things actually where the reason we were given four weeks notice is because Kate was going on holiday for two weeks. Um, and we all kind of know that if we look up and say that we're going to be on holiday, there's not very much we can do about it. Um, so yeah, four weeks notice for us. And do you think that felt better or did it prolong the agony uh, it was a double-edged sword uh 
in a way it helped because we were like okay we've got four weeks to prepare for this but trying to um kick start some motors on people when you need stuff for them and they're like oh, i've got four weeks to get it to you um it that didn't help um so it, it, it is a blessing and a curse you both mentioned clinical searches can i ask did you get those clinical searches in advance um cqc have kind of published them now as to what they're clinical searches they're looking at i wondered if you'd seen or had any of that info in advance to we didn't at drayton um because they hadn't been released for tpp um because we were inspected in april so we um we were inspected the 25th of april i think it was um and uh, so no we didn't have those searches but we could see them once they were onto the system we could see so they put um 224 reports onto our system and those those stemmed from drug searches to um information about diagnosis um anything they they literally searched anything that they could get some clinical safety from um so yeah 224 searches we had on Wow. Okay. So we did have access to the searches because they are now available on Arden. So we're an EMIS practice mm-hmm. and they are now available on Arden's. And I would recommend everybody to go and find them. They are under Arden CQC safety searches <coughs> and run them because that is where the majority of their focus for the inspection was on. Okay. okay. And that was going to be my one of my next questions, actually, in terms of what was the focus? What, what were this? You know, were there any specific areas that they particularly wanted to to look at? Um, and and do you think that that was around anything that they they particularly wanted to look at because it was a sort of practice issue, or do you think they were sort of broader trends that they may be asking everybody, or a mixture of both? So I think for our practice, the reason that we had the inspection, there was a couple of reasons, actually. Number one, we had recently merged, so we were doing inspection anyway, but we have had some issues around a Facebook group with our practice, mm-hmm. and um, it has been very uncomfortable for the practice. And the Facebook group had written to CQC with concerns about us, Um, And when I spoke to the CQC inspectors, the fact that they wrote to CQC was not an overriding issue. What was the overriding issue is who they had copied into that letter when they sent it to CQC. So they had copied in the local MP, the local councillor, the ombudsman, Sajid Javid, um, and virtually anybody high up, which apparently according to CQC instigates that an inspection does have to happen um, because it's been flagged so high. So um, we thought that they would be coming in to address the concerns of this Facebook group, which was access and um, complaint handling, both of which we felt we were managing very well, but, you know, this Facebook group had other ideas. Um, But, I felt the main focus was around safety, actually. And that, although they did want to reassure themselves around complaints and access, it did feel like the main focus was safety. So it was a lot of um, the infection control staff and the COSH staff, um, those searches, which they put an awful lot of emphasis on. Um, And 
I would recommend people do run them and just see what it is they're looking for because you can put your processes in place beforehand to just make sure you've got that. But um, it was very much, I thought, more on the safe side than anything else. Okay. Dawn, you've got a, your hand up. I just wanted to follow on from what Sue said there. Yes, absolutely. About these, the clinical searches, we know that's quite high on their agenda. And we've got the information about those searches for both EMIS and TP, TPP, sorry. And that's on our website. If you just put in the search box CQC inspection and the web page will come up and the information's on there for you to then, you know, go and have a look at what they're going to be searching for and on. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Don. And, and Dan, how about you? Was that, do you know what instigated your inspection? Uh, initially, we thought it was because we were due an inspection. Um, we found out at the end that, I mean, I think Kate's words to us were, oh, I suppose you know why I'm here. And we were like, nope, due one. Um, it was a triggered inspection. Um, and... You know, similar with Sue, it was it was very focused around safety and processes. Mm-hmm. Um, they they said they were expecting us on safe, effective, and well led. Um, and obviously, as the manager, my I had concerns about all three. But as as the senior leader for the surgery, I was really concerned about well led um, because that's the one that. I can influence. I'm not a clinician. I can, I can, I can say well, we need to be doing this, but the clinicians need to be doing the safe and the effective stuff with gratis the clinical care. Um, and it was a shock actually to to realise that we were. It was a triggered inspection, and I'm kind of surprised that we weren't told beforehand. It was it was made out that it was a routine inspection. There was nothing to say that it had been triggered or anything like that. But overall, it was a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And I think I felt it was a positive experience as well. We were told within the first 10 minutes of our Zoom interview on the Monday that it was a triggered inspection due to the, the feedback from the patients. So we were told that straight up. And, and actually that settled us down a little bit, I think, by being told that because we felt, okay, so we know what it is they're complaining about and we were com- confident that we could reassure on those things but yeah. they didn't oh I didn't feel that they needed overly reassuring on those things I was surprised that they went so much down the safe route and um, just I was surprised that they went so much down the safe route and I thought they would have gone um, around the access actually mm, yeah and in hindsight, I'm, I'm sure you sort of went over and over this in your minds. Was, was there anything differently that you would have done in terms of preparation? Anything sort of significant? Or do you think probably within the timescales that you were given and the information you had? I think we would have focused on those searches more. So the GPs right. did. As soon as we knew, they knew about those searches and they did run them. Um, and so, but I just hadn't realized how much emphasis they were going to put on those actually okay i'm not sure i would have done anything different if i'm honest um i worked really closely with i've got two managing partners here i worked really really closely uh with one of them and sort of led from the the purely administrative side of of making sure everything was being done and he took a lead from the clinical side and i think 
it was a really useful experience because I think we can all get into the the rut of going, oh yeah, if CQC came knocking tomorrow, we'd be fine. Um, I joined the surgery two and a half years ago um, and then the pandemic hit. So I didn't have any chance to really start looking into this. Um, and, and the announcement of the CQC inspection gave me that protected time. It, it gave me that that boost to be able to go, right, we really need to focus on CQC now. Um, as I said, I thought it was a really positive experience for us. Um, and it's actually really nice to hear Sue say that it was a positive experience for them as well. Um, the searches, they, I think they, they highlighted two patients. We're an 18,500 patient surgery. And I think they had um, comments on two patients, which as soon as they were highlighted to to the team um they were sorted and the lead gp and the managing partner who were in that in the zoom call with uh with the gp specialist advisor actually said he looked bored he looked bored because they hadn't found things so i think the days of cqc trying to catch surgeries out are finally behind us i think there is there is a more more of a move to working with us and and trying to be that support and that's how I felt when they came in and inspected us anyway. Mm. And I absolutely agree. I think it was more about sharing best practice. Yes. Across organisations than yep. that trying to catch you out and find something that you've done wrong. Good. Yeah. Which is a real shift from how it was four or five years ago. That's really encouraging, isn't it? And um, without naming names, because you're in different areas, I'm assuming you had different inspectors. So it sounds like, or inspection teams. So it sounds like, you know, that's a hopefully an, or a change in the organisational approach rather than sort of just how individuals approach the inspections. I um, think it's more around a staffing issue because um, I spoke, I got on quite well with one of the inspectors actually. And she was saying that Hampshire are supposed to have five inspectors and they've currently got one and a half. Right. So I think it's around staffing. And I think we had an inspector who'd come in from Bath to help. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're struggling to cover. And in terms of who made up your inspection teams, um, who, who did you have respectively? Sue? Um, Not to name the names, just the roles. Or from... So just in terms of the roles from CQC and then who did you field from a practice perspective, I guess, in terms of roles? We were told who we needed to field. They they were quite clear who they wanted to speak to. Okay. So um, because there's myself and another senior manager, they were very clear that they wanted to speak to us in the first interview, which we weren't as lucky as Daniel. We, we had two and a half hours <laughs> of going through things. Um, and then the GP had asked for the registered manager and the deputy registered manager or another GP, but because we had a deputy, we put the deputy in. They wanted the clinical lead GP for infection control along with the infection control lead nurse. Um, and then they were very specific that they wanted a nurse, a, an HCA, a receptionist and an administrator. And then on the day, they wanted um the other the other senior manager amanda to be at highlands and for me to meet the other inspector in the two branch sites okay. and they didn't really talk to anybody else they did they did spend a bit of time with our hr lady 
but they didn't really talk to anybody else. They were with us pretty much the whole time. Unless I could pass them off to somebody to do the fridge checks. It's <laughs> quite intense. And Dan, how, in terms of your perspective? Uh, from CQC, <clears throat> we had um, the, the inspector that everybody probably knows because she's the person that comes to us the most, especially in Portsmouth. Um, so just her um, and a GP specialist advisor. Um, who dialed in remotely on the Monday and Tuesday, and that was it. So okay. the inspector did the staff uh, Zoom calls, my calls, um, and the actual inspection on the Wednesday. And she was in, she arrived at nine and she'd left by one. Um, again, we've got a branch site. She wanted, she made it very clear she wanted to see both sites. Um, but <laughs> she literally walked into our branch site, kind of went, yeah, this is fine. Um, and bearing in mind, we'd spent the weekend before on our hands and knees, scrubbing, cleaning, everything. Um, a little bit of a waste of time. Um, at the main site, we did a tour around the surgery. Um, we didn't have to do any uh, presentation, not needed anymore uh, okay. because of the amount, the sheer amount of information you have to send over prior to the inspection. Um, I think we had three sides of A4 of different policies relating to different Chloe's to send over. Um, so, so no presentation was needed. She wanted to see a few of the clinical rooms. We picked and chose which ones we showed her um, and sort of wanted to have a look at fridges and locked drug cupboards and emergency drug bags. Um, with regards to the surgery team, again, like Sue, they were very prescriptive. We want uh, a lead nurse. We want an HCA, an administrator, a receptionist, uh, your newest starter, um, a salary GP, your lead GP. Um, and you have to fill in, you've got to give a spreadsheet of all your staff with all their details. So their NHS um email addresses any special interests that they've got or special skills that they they bring to the surgery and things like that the bonus is within the we want a receptionist an hca a nurse you can choose who you put forward for it um so so we were able to really sort of pick and choose our staff that went forward for it which we were really pleased about um, and then on our staff list, she noticed that we've got a quaff manager. So she wanted specifically, she actually, that was the only staff member she specifically requested to speak to okay. was, was the quaff manager. Okay. Dawn, would you like to come in there? Thanks, Lisa. We've got a couple of questions and one in particular, probably um, more related to your inspection, um, Dan. Oh, no, actually, Sue, because yours was the Facebook group, wasn't it? But someone anonymously has asked, triggered inspection, do you mean CQC have received complaints, ETC, regarding the practices under whatever category? And I think basically, yes, the answer is yes, they get intelligence from a number of sources, don't they? They monitor various sources and there must be something specific under one of the uh, Chloe headings that's... Um, breached their uh, level, standard level, whatever that may be. And when I spoke to the inspector, because she was saying, you know, the, the CQ, CQC are getting hundreds and hundreds of complaints every day. Um, and, you know, there are things in there which trigger them to say, now we need to do something about it. And it was 
the Facebook group wrote them a letter and it was the things that the Facebook group put in that letter, copying in everybody else, which most of it wasn't true. Um, but because of the level of that, that did trigger it. But most of the time they are just shutting down the complaints and saying thank you for telling us. The other interesting fact that we found out last end of last week was um, that the people who had written and complained did get a letter from CQC at the end of last week confirming that an inspection was being carried out. So the, the, that letter requested an inspection and they received a letter from CQC confirming that the inspection was being carried out. So they now know that that has happened. And, and presumably, of course, the results will be published so that they can see those in the public domain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think perhaps um, sort of social media, we, we get quite a number of queries from practices around comments that are posted on Facebook or Facebook groups being established. Perhaps that's a, that's a separate subject for another webinar in terms of, you know, is there any support or advice that we can offer around social media? I think it's a really difficult area, um, but I think that's possibly something we could come back to. Um, and I had raised that with the LMC because you may remember, Lisa, I had I do. that things were, we felt things were getting out of control. Yeah. Um, but it's very difficult because if if people want to post that stuff, I don't know how you stop it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I forgot to say another, uh, they really, they were really keen on speaking to our PPG as well. Um, I'm really lucky with my PPG chair. I got on extremely well with her. Um, so I had to provide details of the PPG who were happy to have their details shared. But in the end, the inspector only, so it was so that they could speak to the chair and then get any other information from other board members. But my chair gave them as much information as they needed. So they they didn't have to, to go to, out to the wider uh, PPG board. So it's really key to get your PPG on board with, yeah. with the inspection as well. So That's we helpful. haven't got a PPG because we've recently merged and it's all a bit of a mess really but we did have somebody who was one of the old ppg members who volunteered to speak to them um, and she had a telephone conversation with them and followed that up with an email and you know i think they were reassured but i would say also a lot of their focus was around complaints and how we'd handled them and i think that was triggered by what was said in the letter so i think it depends if it, you have got triggered inspection it's whatever has been triggered in there is the things that they are going to look at. And I think I'm right in saying, Sue, that the Facebook group was is a standalone Facebook group, isn't it? It's it's not uh, not been set up by the surgery. It's not connected. No, no. it's a standalone group um, yeah. who actually have calmed down a little bit in the last couple of weeks okay. before CQC came. Dawn, were you going to add anything? Sorry. I'm just looking through um, the... Q and A, uh, Lisa, um, you and you've just covered one of those because it was there was a question about Facebook group, and um, there's a couple of others. I think you, Dan, might have, do you have? Sorry, did you have to prepare a presentation for your visit? I don't think you did, Dan. Did you? No. What about yourself, Sue? Was no, anything? They don't no. want to do that now. They just want to come in and do their inspection and leave. I wasn't as lucky as Dan that they left at one o'clock. They didn't leave until four thirty or quarter to five, mm -hmm. but. It was very much a looking at looking at um, 
you know, things around the surgery and just checking things. But no, I've done, this is my fifth inspection now because of my PM supporter role. I keep ending up in practices that need <laughs> <laughs> a bit more help. Um, and this was by far the most relaxed inspection that I've ever done. Yeah. Long may it last. Yes, absolutely. We have got one other. I'm not sure we know the answer to this. We might have to take it away. But um, there's another question here. It said, we have a visit April 2022. This is from Susie uh, Altamaya Ennis. She says, do CQC have any quality standards as to how long it takes to get your report back? We were promised end of May and it's now August. We've asked CQC and the response they have is that they have a very serious piece of enforcement going ongoing at the moment which is uh, very time critical so our report has been delayed I guess due to all of that so which that's uh, again one so I had two inspectors and one of those inspectors had flagged to me that there was a very serious incident going on and she wouldn't be writing the report because of that serious incident it would be passed to the inspector from Bath and we have been notified today that we're expecting our report next week. So I think there may be something going on. But we had heard previously that the time frame was three to 16 weeks for a report. Okay. The biggest delay for us was that it went to the partners. We got ours back relatively quickly. Um, and we were quite... Um, up front with the inspector saying, okay, this is a triggered response. Is it going to say that in the report? And she was, um, she was quite clear that she would try and not use the words triggered response due to a complaint. Um, we were inspected the end of April. We got signed off um, official certification on the 10th of June. Um, so I think we were quite lucky. We might have just got in there just before um, this incident they're dealing with but um, it went to the partners first and it doesn't come to the practice manager and I think this is one of the difficult things that you we have to deal with it just sits in a partner's inbox um, and then I've got the inspector chasing me oh did you um did you see the report have you, have you signed it off and I was like nope haven't seen it um, so be aware of that if if and when you get an inspection as well the report is sent to the registered manager so when you've had your inspection you need to make sure your registered manager is checking his email box and one of the other inspections i had um the it did go to the registered manager and he pinged it to me and he didn't read it he just pinged it to me and I was really worried that we were going to be requires improvement and we were good overall and it was kind of like oh my goodness I've been waiting so just make sure that you know your registered manager is aware and they are checking their emails and I did wonder from that conversation I wonder whether if you're a triggered inspection you get your report slightly quicker maybe than if you're maybe. just a routine inspection Maybe, but it sounds like you're both reasonably content with the con with the, with the reports when they came in, the draft reports. Good. Yeah, we well were done. really happy. We we publicised it on Facebook, um, and a patient tried to hijack it and go, "Well, what were your expectations around this, and what do you aspire to be?" And I was like, "We aspire to maintain our rating and not drop." So we're actually perfectly happy with good. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm rightly so. Yeah. And I think to reassure everybody, because we did talk about access um, and they said that they 
CQC at the moment are asking if urgent patients who are unwell on the day can be seen, that is all they are looking to reassure themselves on. They're aware that routine patients are probably not getting such a good service, but given the current circumstances, they want to reassure themselves that urgent patients who are unwell on the day can be seen or speak to somebody in the practice. That's quite good to hear. That sounds quite reasonable. Mm. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. Any final questions, Dawn, that we haven't answered or anything, um, Dan and Sue, that you would like to just sort of feed back or raise? Anything we haven't covered? There's one question that's just popped in. Can, oh, yeah. can a change in a registered manager trigger a CQC inspection? And I think the answer is yes, yeah. um, but it, they will probably look as well at that they, they do monitor other intelligence a lot of intelligence soft intelligence sources now as well but generally speaking the answer is yes it will okay i think if i could offer two pieces of advice on software or a piece of advice on two pieces of software um we use clarity team net um here at drayton and cqc absolutely loved it um you can. I know they're getting rid of the Chloe's and they're bringing something else in, but but TeamNet will update the way they work. But you can assign all of your policies to the set Chloe's that they respond to and, and things like that. And it's a really good tool to have all your information in one place. Um, so they really, really liked that. Um, and Practice Index Plus was an absolute lifesaver for us. There were a lot of policies here that had not been reviewed in years. Um, and I spent numerous evenings just downloading them from, from Practice Index Plus, uh, putting the right surgery names and people's names in them. Um, and then I get a when they do an update to the policy, I get um, a notification to say, well, actually, we've just updated this policy. So it helps you stay on top of your policies and everything. So um, two, two really useful tools um, just in general, but especially for your CQC. I would concur with that as well. So we use Practice Index Plus, which made our policies much more robust um, and easier to manage. And we don't use Clarity Team Net, but there's, CQC team recommended that we did use it. And just to reassure people, they didn't do very many checks around the HR role. You know, the people who've done CQC visits before know their focus used to be around a lot of HR stuff and have you got all the references and the DBS checks and everything that they spent 15 minutes on. Same here. Same and here. the other stuff they just wanted to have sight of, so PGDs, fire, fire assessment, fire risk assessments and fire logs, Legionella, they just wanted to look at the folder and document that they had seen it. So it very much felt like a tick box with a few other bits being put into it. So please don't panic. <laughs> just be logical in your thinking and pull your stuff together and it's all about that stuff that you submit to them because if you submit all that stuff in the beginning and then there's not anything they're worried about it will be you know that won't trigger them to be looking elsewhere what what happens is they see stuff and they think oh that doesn't look right and then it sends them off down a rabbit hole okay 
Brilliant. And then I think we've got one final question. We've got uh, Natalie's just asked, um, what sort of policies in particular, Dan, did you download or just? Oh, literally, um, they wanted anything. So they um, safeguarding, they wanted safeguarding policies for both adults and children, whistleblowing policies, uh, chaperoning policies, called a cop literally i i can't even begin it was three sides of um of a4 uh that i had to send over prior to the inspection um so what my ongoing plan is because obviously we need to keep on top of this going forward is to literally go through the policy section on practice index letter by letter and slowly but surely download all of the policies um and and get them uploaded if you get the call tomorrow, the focus is on safe. So if you do nothing else, <laughs> focus on what your safe policies are, because it, exactly that it is around safeguarding, it is around chaperoning, all of those things that cover the safe. Uh, yeah. Because if you're safe, then you're well-led. If you're safe, you're responsive. <laughs> if you're safe, you're... Um, you know, whatever else it is. So it is around safe. And I think it's because they can't actually measure us against other things at the moment. That's I really helpful feedback. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you both. If we don't have any further questions, Dawn, I think that's probably everything, isn't it? There's just one more coming. Uh, Somebody, uh, Chris Waitley has asked, is there any way of sharing that list of documents and policies? Uh, I don't know what you think about that, Dan or Sue, but um, they are on practice index plus, as Dan did say. Um, I'm quite happy to um, anonymise, so take our surgery details stuff out of the list that was sent to us by our inspector and then i can forward it on to to you guys at the lmc if you want um and then you can send it out um i i can't imagine that it's too different to the list that sue got if i'm honest um i'll just take out the information about the surgery that was in there okay that's really chris waitley chris if you're listening please do if you send an email into us at office at wessexlmcs.org.uk like you know the usual email address and when we've got that from dan um we can forward it on to you yeah and and i think ditto michaela might like a copy as well uh, by the looks of it oh yeah. and and angie would like the policy li- oh okay there's a long list okay <laughs> and me says oh, oh joe's oh. joe's come with with a bit of caution dan she didn't think you can do it it's paid service practice index might get quite cross yeah i'm not sending on policies i'm sending on the list of policies that cqc said they wanted from us okay we don't want to upset anybody no 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 just the list of the names of the policies but not the policies themselves okay yeah yeah thank you and can i just say if people are worried or they would just like to go through anything as my practice manager supporter role they can either contact me directly or go to louise and I will arrange a Teams call with you to just... Thank you, Sue. And I'm pretty sure your contact details are on our website, aren't they? And on the Practice Manager uh, Supporter page. So thank you. That's a really kind offer. Um, Dawn. I don't know what you think, Lisa, but as there's quite a few people asking for the list, not the policies, just the list the of list. policies, do you think we could publish that list if Dan's happy um, next to the podcast? I think so. I think, it's, yeah, I think we could. Yeah. And yeah. then everybody can go in there and pick it up as and when they want to or if they want to 
Okay. And I think um, uh, Giselle, who's sitting quietly in the, in the background, just making sure the IT and the technical stuff works for us, has just reminded us that actually we do have a lunch and learn on chaperoning as well, I think. So that will be on our one of our education pages, I think. So if people want to access that as well, um, that's there for you. Um, so if there are no more questions for Dan and Sue, huge thank you. I think that was a really helpful session. So thank you very much both very much for giving up your time. Um, I think, Dawn, you've got a couple of other items you wanted to run to today. So, yep. Sue and Dan, if you want to stay on the call and, and listen to that, you're, you're extremely welcome to. But if you've got a dash off, equally quite understand. But thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Okay. Um, Dawn, I'm going to hand over to you because I think, are we happy that we've mentioned we were going to talk about the clinical searches for CQC? Is there anything further that we need to add on that one? I don't think so, Lisa, no. And there were quite a few people asking about it in the Q&A and I was yep. giving the um, link to our uh, web page because on there you've got the links to both to Arden's for EMIS and TPP so people can go and have a look on there, download the searches from, from there if they want to. Um, it's all there on our web page. So there's probably not too much more to say on that. Perfect. Then moving on to other matters, I think you're going to mention the NMC register. Absolutely, yes. So COVID-19, I'm sure probably all of you know that the um, NMC um, had a temporary register for um, nurses that had uh, left practice but could come back temporarily to work during COVID-19 to kind of help and support the workforce. The NMC have now confirmed that that temporary register will close later this year. Um, and staff who are currently on <clears throat> the temporary register will now need to join the permanent register if they wish to continue working or practicing after the 30th of September 2022. Um, so if anybody has got any uh, nurses working for them that did join the COVID-19 temporary register, please be aware that after the 30th of September, if they have not joined the permanent register, they effectively um, aren't, aren't really uh, registered to practice at all anymore. Um, okay, and moving on, flu vaccines. Yes, we're in flu season, as we know. <laughs> it's only, only just August, the sun's still shining, but of course we are already and have been talking about flu for a while. Um, and as I'm sure you all know, the Department of Health um, have extended the cohorts to actually include the 50 to 64 year olds this year. Um, they are also um, extending the... Um, the children as well into the uh, teenagers um, on the school program, but that will be the school program that won't be in practices. So for practices, it is about the 50 to 64 year old cohort. They've issued a, another letter, as we know, there's two things in the letter we'd like to highlight. Um, the 50 to, 50 to 64 year old group that are now eligible, they are eligible from the 15th of October. Um, it, it's clear they want to prioritise the at-risk group first. That doesn't mean to say we can't get prepared and ready and start doing preparatory work for the 50 to 64-year-olds, but they effectively aren't eligible for vaccination until the 15th of October. The other thing, of course, is about your flu vaccines and um, going back to your uh, suppliers to say that you perhaps might want some more. And one or two have already asked, well, what if we order for all our 50 to 64 year olds, we could have too much. What are we then going to do with it? Um, the actual uh, letter uh, does say it, it's an ask. 
They want you to look at your eligible population, your 50 to 64 year olds, um, and provide coverage at least equal to what you did last year, ideally exceeding. So, you know, if you didn't actually uh, vaccinate too many of your 50 to 64 year olds last year for whatever reason, then, you know, you need to be guided by what you did last year, not necessarily look to order to your whole 50 to 64 year old cohort. And hopefully by doing that, you won't have then too many to try and return. I'd look at your returns policy as well with your supplier just to check what that is. Still sticking on the uh, flu theme, uh, one query we often get um, when the flu season approaches and setting up clinics is do we have to have a GP physically on site at all times? And we have already been asked this once or twice already this year. Well, the short answer is no, but beware. The GP should be aware that if they've delegated flu vaccinations, they're still responsible for the patient's overall care. They must ensure the healthcare professional administering the flu vax has the relevant knowledge, skills and experience to carry out the procedure. And also, and this is the nub, be able to deal with a potential emergency or life-threatening event. Practice nurses and registered healthcare professionals should only work within their levels of competence and we would suggest that they have access to a GP. It could be on the phone um, and that could be sufficient. However, HCAs and any other unregistered professionals are advised they must have direct access to a registered healthcare professional on site. So that's just as a little update, uh, getting ready for your uh, flu season this year. Um, we always say as well, of course, make sure that any other staff you've got working on clinics, admin and so on, um, they are all up to date with their BLS training. And I'm sure they are. And they all know where to find the drugs and equipment necessary should the unfortunate event take place. And I think that's everything from me, Lisa, for today. Thank you. Thank you, Dawn. I don't think we've got any further questions in the chat. So I think, oh. Um, I have got one question. Apologies, Steve. We've got a question from Steve, which is, if registered staff don't wish to re-register but are happy to vaccinate, I'm presuming we can still use them as trained vaccinators under the national protocol. I haven't been able to get an answer either way. Is oh, that, that something we know, Dawn, or is that something we need to look into? I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah, yes and no is the answer. It's something I've already asked of the flu group because what we don't know at the moment is if we're going to have a national protocol for flu again this year. I have okay. asked that. Um, we obviously will have a PGD. That's always been there and PSD is always there. But actually what you're talking about there is the national protocol and we don't know about that yet, I'm afraid. So you probably need to bear that in mind if you're preparing flu clinics. Okay, and Dawn, I know you always refresh the, our flu top tips document each year. Is is If we get the answer, is it likely to be in there? Are we going to put oh, the answer anywhere? Absolutely, it will be in top tips, yeah, absolutely. So it will be in this year's version or this season's version, I should say, probably. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, and I think, um, oh, sorry, Steve's question was around COVID, COVID vaccinations. Sorry, I didn't see that initially. Oh, this was around COVID. Oh, on that basis, yeah, COVID's different. There is a national protocol for COVID. Um, so, but is that in relation to whether the member of staff is registered or not? I believe so. You do need to just look very careful um, at 
at their role and the national protocol and which section they come under. Because it's possible at the moment, if they were on that temporary register, they might be fulfilling their role under the national protocol as per that temporary registration. If they've lost that temporary registration, then within the national protocol, they're going to move into a different group, aren't they? I, I would look at that closely. Brilliant. Thank you. So I think that probably brings to a close everything that we wanted to cover today. Um, and I hopefully we've, we've covered, um, all the questions. I hope that we have. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for making the time to, to dial in today. I hope the session was useful and look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.